Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alberta Roundup. I'm your host, Rachel Emanuel. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your Saturday to tune into our show. We have a really great show planned for you today. So let's take a look at what we're going to be talking about on the Alberta Roundup. Three provinces have said they won't aid the federal government in its gun grab scheme. Premier Jason Kenney, in his final days in the province's top job, is warning about the state of conservatism. As well, 23 First Nations will pay $1.12 billion for an ownership stake in seven Enbridge pipelines. And yet another city wants a plastic ban. All that and more happening now on the Alberta Roundup. Okay guys, this is the biggest story in the country right now. On Monday, the Alberta government announced that Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino wrote to the provinces requesting their help in confiscating legally purchased firearms. If you need a little refresher, in May 2020, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced he was banning more than 1,500 models of firearms, including AR-15s. Owners of these guns would have a two-year amnesty period to come into compliance with the prohibition, he said at the time. Of course, that amnesty period has been extended. The Liberal government has not yet confiscated the firearms. They have said they plan on spending $250 million buying back the guns. What an excellent use of taxpayer resources, I'm sure you're thinking. On Monday, Alberta Justice Minister Tyler Shandro said the Alberta government will not aid Ottawa in its gun grab scheme. But furthermore, he said the province also won't allow the Alberta RCMP to be used as confiscation agents for Ottawa. Shandro said there's about 30,000 guns that the federal government is looking to confiscate in the province, but Alberta has no interest in helping. Quote, Alberta taxpayers pay over $750 million per year for the RCMP, and we will not tolerate taking officers off the streets in order to confiscate the property of law-abiding firearm owners. Alberta also said they are going to intervene in six ongoing legal challenges of the Trudeau government's firearms ban. But the story doesn't stop there. On Wednesday, Saskatchewan signaled that it also will not allow its RCMP to help Ottawa confiscate the firearms. Saskatchewan Chief Firearms Officer Bob Freyberg revealed that the province wrote to the RCMP saying no provincially funded resources of any type, including the RCMP, will be used for Mendicino's gun bans and buybacks. Following Alberta and Saskatchewan's lead, Manitoba is the third province to tell the Trudeau Liberals it does not want its policing resources to be used in Ottawa's gun grab scheme. Manitoba Justice Minister Kelvin Gortson said he told Mendicino that the buyback program unnecessarily targets lawful gun owners while having little impact on criminals. He said the program cannot further erode precious provincial police resources, already suffering from large vacancy rates, from focusing on investigation of violent crime. In a post on Facebook, he wrote, quote, We will be bringing these concerns, along with the shared concern of Saskatchewan and Alberta, directly to the federal government next month in meetings of ministers of justice and ministers of public safety. Of course, Mendicino responded, and he is not happy. He said the Kenny government is acting in a reckless way by telling the Alberta RCMP to ignore orders to participate in the Liberals' gun grab scheme. He wrote, quote, The courts have repeatedly confirmed that regulating firearms falls squarely within federal jurisdiction. Albertans expect their federal and provincial governments to work together to protect their communities, not pull dangerous stunts. This really begs the question whether Mendicino thought it was reckless when he told the special parliamentary committee setting the Freedom Convoy that police asked the federal government to invoke the Emergencies Act. Of course, as you all know, the RCMP and the Ottawa police later said they did not ask for the Emergencies Act to be used. And then, of course, there was a time that Mendicino said definitively that people charged with firearms offenses in the Coots border blockade were connected to far-right groups in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy. And then he, of course, completely walked back those comments once he was pressured to answer about them. Actually, we're going to play that clip for you right now. Take a listen. Indeed, several of the individuals at Coots 
have strong ties to a far-right extreme organization with leaders who are in Ottawa. We're talking about a group that is organized, agile, knowledgeable, and driven by an extremist ideology where might makes right. There you heard Mendicino making those claims. And just shortly after, when he's pressured by legacy media, he completely walks them back. Take a listen. I, I want to follow up on Marika Walsh's question. I think that um, we need to be certain that it sounds like you are making the connection between the rhetoric of uh, suspects who you know are accused of attempted and conspiring to attempt murder in, in Coots, Alberta, and the organizers here. So is that what your conclusion is, or is that something that's backed up by evidence of an ongoing law enforcement investigation? No, I think you have it right. I mean, I think the pattern that we're seeing here is in the rhetoric that is being used not only in Coots, not only in Ottawa, but right across the country. And, um, you know, one, uh, I think, can observe that very plainly uh, in, the, in the, the similar messages that are being shared by those who are participating actively in the blockades. And so that, unif that, that unified and focused message is one of concern and I think does shed light on the ideological motivations of those who are prepared to move beyond just, um, you know, demonstrations in, and crossing into a different conduct, which, which would be illegal. So then it's your, your conclusion. It's, it's certainly, I think, the conclusion of many individuals and Canadians who are taking a look at uh, social media and it's uh, extremely concerning. Okay, guys, let's move into our next topic. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney has just a couple days left in the province's top job, and he's using that to reflect on the state of conservatism. He spoke at the Canada Strong and Free Conference in Red Deer last Saturday. Yours truly was there as well. I spoke on a panel about conservatives and the media, something I know a little bit about. However, Premier Jason Kenney used his time on a panel to warn about the state of conservatism, which he said is becoming populism with a snarl. Kenney warned that anger spurred by alt-right media social media, and figures like former Republican President Donald Trump are constantly driving people into a state of agitation. This is not healthy for our society, Kenny warned, adding that civility is good for Canadian institutions and society. He also said the populism he's seeing could result in a situation where what is winsome and appealing about conservatism could become a caricature of a kind of nasty, angry populism that's constantly losing at the polls. The premier also spent a fair deal of time discussing his work as the former federal immigration minister under conservative prime minister Stephen Harper. And some people I spoke to in the crowd said they wondered if he was signaling intentions that he wants to return to federal politics. Of course, the premier has not yet said what he plans to do after stepping down as premier on October 6, once a new UCP leader is chosen. Enbridge announced the sale of a minority stake in seven of its Alberta pipelines to almost two dozen Indigenous communities in what's being described as the largest transaction of its nature to date in North America. The company said 23 First Nations and Métis communities will pay $1.12 billion for an 11% stake in seven Enbridge pipelines in Alberta's oil-rich Athabasca region. A new entity dubbed Athabasca Indigenous Investment will oversee the investment. Here's what Alberta Premier Jason Kenney had to say about it. Today, this partnership that we are announcing uh, between Enbridge and a group of 23 Indigenous communities with the support of Alberta's government is an historic, game-changing deal. Okay guys, let's move into the controversy of the week. We are once again talking about firearms. The Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights is clapping back at a CBC reporter for trying to instill fear about law-abiding gun owners with a tweet criticizing the Alberta government's move to oppose Justin Trudeau's gun bans. 
CBC Calgary reporter and editor Tom Ross tweeted a photo of four guns included in the federal buyback program, which Alberta will challenge, calling the challenge a waste of money. Ross wrote on Twitter, quote, unless you are actively fighting on the front line of a battlefield, I do not understand why anyone needs to have these in their home. Like most of the 1500 firearm variants the Liberals banned by order and council in 2020, all four guns are semi-automatic, meaning one trigger pull fires one bullet. Fully automatic firearms have been illegal since 1977. In Canada, these guns require that magazines be pinned to limit them to five rounds, far so than what a soldier on the battlefield would have in a military-grade firearm. They also require a restricted possession and acquisition license, which is harder to obtain than the typical non-restricted possession and acquisition license. RPL holders are subject to daily police background checks, and the application process involves screening for mental health, family, and financial issues. The Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights wrote on Twitter, at worst, Tommy's deliberately attempting to instill fear in uninformed Canadians by creating a false narrative that he knows is statistically incorrect. Okay, guys, what we're watching in the weeks to come, you guessed it, it's about plastic. As we've talked about in previous weeks, Edmonton City Council is looking at banning plastics, and there's a petition circulating to ban that proposal. Now, Calgary is also considering a like-minded proposal, only theirs is a tad more extreme. The city of Calgary's proposed plastic bans would fine businesses $250 for offenses. So what are those offenses, you might be wondering? Well, they range from providing a customer plastic cutlery when the customer did not first ask for one, to providing a customer a shopping bag when the customer did not first ask for a shopping bag, to providing customer a shopping bag without charging a fee. Oh, the horrors. The city's proposed single-use items bylaw targets plastic cutlery and shopping bags without minimum fines for businesses beginning at $250 and doubling or tripling with repeated offenses. It's good to know this is what our cities are prioritizing right now. Okay, guys, let's move into our UCP leadership race update. This is my last update for you. Next week on Thursday, we will have our new premier and UCP leader. Who do you guys think is going to win? Of course, many people have already cast their ballots. They need to be received on October 4th if you're sending them by mail. And of course, there's an option to vote in person on October 6th. So let's take a look at this poll that was reported by Rick Bell from the Calgary Sun. It is a Hamish Marshall of One Persuasion poll, and he used the actual UCP membership list. He polled 1,603 people, and of those who voted, 45% have said they voted for Smith. Another 28% voted for Travis Taves, 11% for Brian Jean, 6% for Rebecca Schultz, 5% for Todd Lowen, and Leela here and Raj and Sonny with lower percentages. So we'll see what happens on the 6th. If you guys are going to be there in person, come and say hi to me. I always love meeting my viewers and listeners. And if you're not going to be able to make it, definitely tune into True North's live show. You will not want to miss it. Of course, as Alberta selects its new premier. Okay, guys, let's move into the Alberta politics funny moment of the week. You guys might have seen this video circulating on Twitter. The NDP hosted an event with Rachel Nolly in Brooks Medicine Hat this week. From what I've seen on social media, it was likely their largest ever event in the region with about 200 people. But of course, everyone is wondering, was UCP leadership candidate Leela here in attendance to sell memberships? Of course, I'm only joking. What a ludicrous thing to suggest. We all know that Leela here only attends Liberal Party campaign events to sell Conservative Party memberships. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you support our work over at True North, please visit donate.tnc.news to show us your appreciation and so that we can keep bringing you the news. Thanks so much. Have a great week.